0: Hey there, Joy Dooling here, host of the Joy of Membership podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. Are your members quick to join, ready to engage, and eager to renew? If not, let's see what's going on and how to fix that. The best place to start is with the member experience scorecard. With this one simple tool, you'll be able to see exactly where you have gaps that we should fill and strengths that you can build on. The download is free and you'll have insights in less than 10 minutes. You can download your copy right now at joyofmembership.com scorecard. Okay, if you're driving, maybe not right now, but when you get back to your desk... With no further ado, let's hop into the show. On the show this week, I'm chatting with Cecilia Sepp from Rogue Tulips Nonprofit Consulting and Association Management Services. Cecilia has spent her entire career in the nonprofit arena in association staff positions as a high-level consultant and as a volunteer. If you are currently working with an organization that has chapters, or perhaps you lead a chapter, you're going to find this conversation especially intriguing. Cecilia makes the point that we've largely been doing things the same for decades in chapter management, and it might just be time to break away and try something new. Cecilia, I'm so glad you could be here with me today. Welcome to the program. Oh, hi, Joy. It's great to be
1: here, and thanks for the invitation. Why don't we start with you sharing with the listeners who you are and who you help? Uh, I am Cecilia Supp. I'm a certified association executive. I spent my entire career in nonprofit management, and who I help are nonprofit organizations of all types, My focus, though, is on smaller associations with smaller staff and smaller budgets because I believe in delivering high-quality services to everyone. And I don't think you should have to have a $10 million budget to get quality outsourced help.
0: You and I definitely share that commitment. So that's what I think is awesome about you. <laughs> One of the things that I think is awesome about you.
1: Well, you imagine we are kindred spirits.
0: Yes. So you recently shared with me that you felt like most organizations are using a 19th century model for chapter management, and that it was long overdue for organizations to rethink their relationship with chapters. And I thought that was a fascinating concept. And I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about how you've been thinking about chapters and um, how it makes a difference for organizations that are wanting to provide an exceptional member experience. Well, and I think this is what it comes down to, Joy, is thinking
1: about that exceptional member experience. And that means we have to evolve and we have to change. And I have been working with chapters for most of my career. I spent about 15 years as a component relations professional, or as we like to call it, CRP. And that meant I worked with local chapters, state chapters, I worked with special interest groups, I worked with committees, workforces, task forces or working groups. We all like to have our own titles for these things, but basically groups of members who wanted to engage more deeply in the association. Now, the chapter model can get a little confusing because people talk about chapters and affiliates and they use chapter interchangeably. And that's where some of the confusion comes in, I think. A chapter is a group that exists because your association exists. So they are a smaller unit within the whole. And people don't like the word subordinate, but that's what the IRS calls them. And so those are the groups that maybe you file tax forms for them, or maybe you provide them some really specific financial support or rebates. An affiliate is a standalone organization that you partner with. And then perhaps you have an affiliate partnership contract or agreement with them. Chapters sometimes have agreements. A lot of times you can use chapter guidelines. So that lays the groundwork for the conversation. Now, I'm going to focus on our chapter model, not on working with affiliates. So when we work with our local chapters, these are generally volunteer-driven. Occasionally, they will have part-time help. Some chapters get really big, and this tends to be in highly populated states like California and New York. And so they will maybe hire an AMC or a full-time staff person to help them. Now, the thing is, when it comes to chapters, most of them are volunteer-driven. What we do is we basically make their work a second unpaid job. We don't focus on it being a volunteer experience in which they're getting something more out of what they already know. I've always thought a volunteer needs to be able to bring what they know to the association, but use it in a different way that's more fulfilling, more interesting and fun. And maybe they expand their skill set, telling them that they have to have committees, they have to have a board of directors, they have to have bylaws, get incorporated so you don't get sued. That's all well and good, but is it really necessary anymore? And that brings us to the lead in where you mentioned the 19th century. In the 19th century, we obviously didn't have all this cool technology like podcasts and video conferencing and instant telephone calls. It used to be if you wanted to make an international phone call, you had to call the operator, tell them who you wanted to call, and then wait for them to call you back because they had to get a connection. It might take a day. So in the 19th century, if there was a chapter of a national organization, it was basically a mini-me of the association. And so it basically mirrored the national association because people couldn't travel as easily or as quickly as we can now. I can jump on an airplane and be in Australia in 14 hours. In the 19th century, not so much. You had to take months to get somewhere. And so you would maybe sit in a town for a couple of months at an annual convention or biannual convention because it took you so long to get there. And people would not be able to communicate very easily. A great example of this is if you watch the PBS series, Victoria. There's an episode where Prince Albert is chairing a conference that's meeting in London. These people only get together about every three years. And so this conference went on for about two months because then they were all going to go home. And they would not be able to communicate except by letter. So when you think about that, you needed a mini-me at the local level. Today, we don't.
0: Can you tell us why it is so hard for some organizations to make the shift to a different model? Like, Why are we stuck in the old ways of doing this?
1: Oh, that is a great question. And I will tell you my opinion is this. It's the phrase best practices. So in the association world, we like to talk to each other and share ideas. The problem is we then start sharing the same idea over and over again. So we all say, well, what do you do with your chapters? Well, we do this. We make them file financial reports. We make them have committees. We make them have board meetings. They have to have elections. They have to have officers. They have to do, do, do. They have to. There's a lot of requirements. And what I found really startling is a few months ago, I participated in a networking event for other component relations professionals. And It was the same conversation we were having five years ago. It was like, I never left the room. And I thought, wow, this is really strange to me because I would think we'd be doing new things. I like to try new things. I do new things. I think sometimes people are afraid to try new things because what if it doesn't work? And my answer to that question is then don't do it again. You're not going to know if it works unless you try it. So I was a chief staff executive at a small healthcare association and they had a chapter system and it was a very archaic outdated chapter system in a lot of ways. Too many requirements, not enough benefits. So what we started to do, I was working with the vice president of chapter relations and membership on this. We created something called networking hubs. All the fun, none of the work. So what that meant is if somebody in a town where we had members wanted to start organizing local events or networking or getting together or maybe just get an email list so people could communicate more easily, we supported that. We didn't require bylaws. We didn't require an affiliate agreement. We didn't require approval by the National Board of Directors because it wasn't necessary. And again, I say that 19th century model worked great in the 19th century, but it doesn't work in the 21st century. We're looking at a time where we have more and more distractions. We have more and more strains on our schedules. Most of us wish we had a 72 hour day because there's so much going on in the world we have to keep up with. And then we wonder why our volunteers are backing away and saying, I don't have time. And I think that rethinking chapter relations into member experience locally, whatever you wanna call it, networking hub or whatever your group likes you have to think about that engagement and what are they getting out of it we're always talking about value what do associations offer relationships connection knowledge most of those are intangible so if you're asking somebody to value something intangible You can't make it so difficult and put so many obstacles in the way that the process drives your members out the door. And I think that's what that 19th century chapter relations model does. And I think that's why we need to rethink it simply because we have seen in this terrible pandemic with the lockdowns, how quickly everybody adapted after the initial shock to using online technology to communicate, connect and have events. People have rediscovered services that a year and a half ago, they didn't think they'd need. And and what I mean by that is we all love Zoom. We're all using it a lot. Some of us use Teams. Some of us still use WebEx and other services. But we're rediscovering interfaces to these systems that make it more personal, more controlled by the individual. There's something called, I believe it's Kiko Chat, that is an interface for Zoom. And that makes it like a real meeting and that you can go from place to place on your own without the meeting host moving you. So it's a next step beyond breakout rooms. So we're finding these ways to do it. People have Zoom backgrounds now. They know how to set it so they look their best. They're figuring out where to put the camera. And that is what we really should be worried about. I think a lot of times associations get caught up in process. And it's not about your system. It's not about your process. It's about making sure that person who is your member is getting a great experience, learning from other people and finding out how they can do more for their profession or develop themselves as a person, as an individual in that profession. And so this chapter relations approach of you must, you must, you must, you must must is really a turnoff in the 21st century. I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want a second unpaid job simply because I want to engage in my association. And we definitely don't need these mini-me's anymore. That's my opinion. I don't think we need this formal chapter agreement. I don't think we need these formal requirements. I think if you took your chapter relations staff and had them focus on supporting people getting together, creating experiences locally, sharing information locally, And take away that requirement of your staff person chasing people for reports, chasing people for dues rebate reports, making sure people get dues rebates. There's a lot of process in place right now that maybe isn't necessary. And and the, the problem with it, though, is we've been doing it so long, it's the way we've always done it. And that is another obstacle to our way of thinking as to how can we improve this? How can we have a 21st century experience? Now, I'm a person of a certain age, as the French like to say, and so supposedly I'm not good at adapting, changing, uh, using technology, having new ideas, being willing to give up what I have for something new. But if I can do it, I think that associations can do it too. And what that means is taking a step back and saying, Are we doing this just because we've always done it? Or are we doing it because it's the right thing to do and it works? And sometimes that is the case. Every time I got a new job, for example, I would never really change anything for at least six months because you have to dig in and find out, well, why are they doing this? And I, I think my favorite example of that is I had a job at a medical society for ear, nose and throat doctors. And I was the director of board of governors and society relations. And so I worked with all of the local groups and I had a cookie line item in my budget and not the kind of cookies on your computer when you're surfing the internet, actual good, yummy cookies that you have for dessert. And so instead of just saying this is ridiculous and throwing it out, I sat down and talked to some people and said, okay, I'm sure there's a story here what's the cookie story well and it turned out that the people in the local societies they have meetings at the annual conference and they had wanted cookies and they were told no you don't have a meal budget and it turned into a big tempest in a teapot and then they had a cookie line item in the budget but then as time went on and this group evolved they actually had a real meal budget and so i said oh, I understand now why that would happen. Can I just fold the cookie budget into the meal budget now? And so that's why it is. So you always have to find out why are you doing things this way? And you can't just come in and throw your program out. You have to look at it and say, where do we want to go first? And then how long would it take us to shift?
0: Well, and I would think that one of the natural concerns of a parent organization would be how do we make sure that the smaller groups that are out there saying that they are attached and related to us as a parent organization, how do we ensure that they're still meeting the high standards that we expect and the level of professionalism? I would think that would be one of the concerns with just saying, okay, we're going to throw out a rule book. What what would you say to that?
1: Oh, well, the thing is, you wouldn't throw out the rule book. You'd write a new one is what that would come down to, because that's an excellent point, Joy. You want to make sure that that member experience is consistent across the board. So what you would do is you would have new guidelines, new rules for how are we going to make this less cumbersome volunteer management experience a more fun, interesting experience? Because we all know that if you want successful volunteers, it starts with training, education, and giving them the tools they need to succeed. So you wouldn't make it kind of like the Wild West or anything goes, but you would shift what you're offering them and how you're offering it to support that experience. And I think by throwing out a lot of this antiquated system that we use, You're freeing up resources for your chapter relations staff to really get in there and do a lot to help your members locally. So it's a new rule book, not no rule book.
0: Okay. I love that. I think that will resonate with a lot of people. So if someone is listening to this and they are interested in diving in deeper into this topic and really rethinking that relationship that they have with chapters, where should they start? They can start with a conversation with me
1: if they're interested. I think where you could start is talking to your local chapter presidents or local chapter volunteers and find out what they like and don't like. Because I've got to tell you, there is no book out there telling you what I'm telling you. That book hasn't been written yet. So but maybe you're going to
0: write it, right?
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I'll add that to my books to write list because I have a lot. But unfortunately, there really isn't anything about completely changing your thinking and throwing things out. There's groups out there who do focus. And when I say groups, I mean, like consulting companies that may have some information. As far as I know, there's really nobody out there saying, let's rewrite the rule book. There's people tweaking the rulebook, there's people editing the rulebook, but there's nobody saying, hey, we don't have to do this. And that's a mindset that needs to shift or be broken, whatever terminology you like to use, because our mindset is what creates our world and our mindset is what limits us. So if we change our mindset to be unlimited, that shows us many more options that we can choose from. And then that way we
0: can create the local experience that our members want. Well, I think this is a fascinating topic for folks to think about. Where can they connect with you, Cecilia? Oh, they can connect with me via my website,
1: roguetulips.com. Or you can email me, cecilia at roguetulips.com. And Cecilia is C-E-C-I-L-I-A.
0: I love your company name. (laughs) Thank you so much. It always gives me a little giggle. (laughs) (laughs) Tulips go rogue.
1: (laughs) Well, and we do that. We say go rogue because we do think differently. And as the leader, the principal of the company, and basically the sole person here, uh, I do partner with other consultants. We have a consultants network that we work with of other solo entrepreneurs with different expertise. So we can do that. Uh, I am the leader of the company and I am the thought leader. And so that's why we say go rogue. If you want to try something different, if what you're seeing is a little stale or you want to just have a, a different kind of conversation, we're always here. I'm happy to talk
0: with people. Well, Cecilia, thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate your time and sharing your expertise. Oh, well, thank you for the invitation,
1: Joy. And it's been great.
0: I'm rarely the guest, so I enjoyed it. That's right. You have a podcast as well. So we'll make sure that we put a link to that in the show notes. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Awesome. Joy here back with a few thoughts about this week's episode. You know, recently I had the opportunity to meet with an organization's board to talk about some possible changes that I thought would streamline their operational processes and modernize their overall member experience. They had reservations. While I knew the recommendations were completely doable and would make a huge difference for them, they weren't as confident about being able to take those changes on. After all, they had been doing what they do in the same way for many, many, many years. Unfortunately, doing something the same way for many, many, many years is kind of a red flag. Look around you. How many things are exactly the same way that they were 20 or 30 years ago? We communicate differently. I mean, has anyone seen my smartphone? It's like attached to my hip. We shop differently. We all know that Amazon will have something to us tomorrow and gosh, in some places, Amazon can have it to you in just a couple of hours. We travel differently most of the time when my family and I go places, we're now looking for a house rather than a hotel. We're scanning Airbnb to see if there's an option there for us. We consume our news differently, that news feed and Facebook can be so addictive, and it can also be really annoying. So much so that sometimes we want to leave that feed and we find out how very difficult that is to do. We gather with friends, family and colleagues differently. I mean, who would have thought that our grandmothers and our grandfathers would be learning how to Zoom in order to stay connected? So if your organization fails to change while the entire world changes around you, it won't be long before members will legitimately find you out of touch, or even worse, they might think you're irrelevant, which is the last thing you want to be. I walked away from that bored conversation with one thought. Some folks really need to start dreaming. We need to be inspired by what could be and open ourselves up to possibilities. So in typical joy fashion, I turned the whole idea into a free training that I'm calling Journey Dreaming, and we're going to spend one hour together focused on the brilliant possibilities for our organizations if we just open ourselves up to reimagining how we interact with members. So when you join me for this training, we're going to explore how to show your members and prospects that you hold a solution to the problems that they're experiencing right now. We're going to cover how you can continually encourage your members so that they know they're in the right place to get what they need from you. And we're going to talk about retention strategies that reduce churn and increase the renewal rate for every single one of your members, because taking care of members all along their journey is so incredibly important nowadays. Plus, I'm going to show you how exactly you can build a reimagined membership journey for your organization in a way that practically automates the entire experience so that you can focus on the rest of your responsibilities. Now, if this sounds like a training that you would be interested in, it's pretty easy to find it. You just have to go to joyofmembership.com slash Dreaming and you can find the details about what's going to be covered in the training and a form there for you to register. So again, that URL is joyofmembership.com slash dreaming. I can't wait to see you there. Take care and I will see you next week. Hey there, you made it all the way to the end. Bravo to you. I'm back in just one last time to remind you that there's a free one-page PDF available over at the website that shows you more than 20 ways that technology could be supporting your efforts to attract, engage, and retain more members. It's actually broken down into the stages of the member journey so you'll know exactly where each piece fits and everything that's on that one-pager can actually be automatically done for you with software that costs less than a thousand dollars per year. So if you haven't already grabbed it, you can get your copy at joyofmembership.com slash tech, joyofmembership.com slash tech, T-E-C-H. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.